for the band leading us in worship. You are good. Oh, that was so good, man. Oh, um, I hope you guys are having a great Sunday. Uh, let's take a moment, welcome in our online audience. Would you guys give them a round of applause for joining us? I've got to see some families today that I haven't seen in a while, and I am celebrating, cherishing every moment. I miss all of them. And um, we have been doing a series uh, called Villains for the last three weeks. And today it's going to be an interesting turn. I'll prep you for it. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to find that the greatest enemy that we face is oftentimes ourselves. So I've entitled this message, The Enemy of Me is Me. And today God is going to teach us how we can get set free from the things that imprison us, oftentimes our emotions, our sins, uh, proclivities, all those types of things. But I wanted to introduce it in a little bit more of an interesting way. Um, if you are not a sports fan, then you probably are not aware that we are in the midst of the World Series played at uh, the Dallas uh, Stadium, the new Texas Rangers Stadium. And um, I got the privilege of going to uh, game one of the World Series and it was a really cool experience. Unfortunately, I am pulling for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and they got destroyed by the LA Dodgers game one. And I'm gonna tell you, I don't know if it's just like the LA thing, but as these guys were winning, they were like kind of smirking, you know, they were kind of just like, you know, smirking, doing this like LA I'm cool surfer smirk thing. I don't know, like, you know, like, have you ever seen someone smirking while they're winning? You're just like, I'm gonna wipe that smirk right off your face. Anybody like, like, oh, and so, so I've been, I've been you know, patiently waiting. And last night, a very interesting, fresh off the presses thing happened. Um, there was a guy named Brett Phillips, 26 years old, and uh, he got, called into the game in the bottom of the eighth and he was going to be a pinch runner. Now, the interesting story about this guy is that he was not even on the championship team. So when they play their, their championship for the American League, he wasn't even on that team. They like sent him home. And so he was very low on the totem pole and then they brought him back as just a spare for the World Series, okay? The World Series. And this is game four of the World Series. And he hasn't had an at-bat, he hasn't been in any game. And so imagine coming in, they bring you in the bottom of the eighth, you're up to bat now. In the bottom of the ninth, you're down by one run. There's two men on base and they are one out. The Dodgers are one out away from winning and they call you to come in and hit this ball, not because they want you even to be batting right now, but they are out of players on their bench. They brought him in to run and now he has to bat. And so here is this guy, here is this guy standing at the plate. The little Tampa Bay Devil Rays, their total salary, total salary for the entire team, $28 million. The Dodgers salary, $105 million, predicted 80% chance to lose. And Brett Phillips steps to the plate, one ball, two strikes, roll it. Phillips got a fight now, two strikes. Jansen, that is into center field. Here comes Kiermaier. Phillips has tied the game. Arroyo's arena coming around. Throw home. Now he stumbles. But the ball gets away. 
All right. We'll, we'll put this, put this thing. Put that. Is that? Oh. This is the way I feel when I come out every Sunday, right? Man, when I saw that, I said to myself, that is the exact feeling that God wants us to feel every day of our lives. To me, to me, this says freedom. This says victory. This says I'm living my best life right now. It was unexpected. He got called up and delivers probably the most memorable moment of his life right there, national stage. And I wanted you to start thinking about for yourselves when it comes to how God wants you to live. He wants us to live in this free life. And the villains that we face, we've been talking about the villains outside, but, but I think today we're gonna to be talking about the villains inside. And if you can defeat, defeat the enemy inside of you, I promise you, this is how you will live. This is how you will look. And if you have heaviness that's on you today, if you have bitterness that is dominating you today, if you have past mistakes that you made that you keep replaying like a record, over and over again in your mind, that is not how God intended you to live. I want us to, to look at this, and I love that God gives us the test, but then also gives us the answers. You know what I'm saying? In, in, in uh, Micah 6.8, if you've ever wondered what, the, what is the expectation? I don't know if you're like me, like I always wanna know like what are the expectations? God makes it very clear what his expectations are of you. It says in Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I mean, if we just were able to live that out, we'd be good. We'd be good. I mean, just, you know, just do these things. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Unfortunately, I think these are very difficult things to do. As we're considering this, this conversation of loving mercy, I think that, that many of us would like to love mercy, but we might prefer vengeance, right? Like you might, you might want to get back at your enemies. And I'm glad that you, you asked me this question, but whenever we're thinking about God's expectations, Luke 6, Jesus said, if you love those that love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. God's saying, you don't, you don't get credit for running around the bases while everybody's cheering you on. Like everybody loves people that love them. He said, that's, that's average, that's the expectation. But if you want to live above average, you have to learn to love those who hate you, to bless those who curse you. Verse 35, he says, but love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. The greatest enemy of me is me, and sometimes it's me against mercy. If you wanna be great, you have to learn to give grace. That if you hold on to bitterness, 
If you hold on to unforgiveness, you will never fly like an airplane out there going crazy. You won't, woo! Like some of you, you, let's be honest. When you got up to go to church this morning, it wasn't, yeah, that's not you, right? You got in a train like, I guess we'll go. Beat sitting at home. Let's go down there and try to get some Corona. I don't know. It's like, it's you against mercy. God says that you need to learn how to forgive. And he said that loving people that love you, that's, that's, not, the, that's not where the golden concept is. But it's tough. Would you guys agree that it's tough like it, it, to turn the other cheek? Like, like, you're a big guy. If I walked down there right now and I just slapped you as hard as I could across the face, right? It'd probably be a mistake for me. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. Okay, I think everyone here agrees. Could you stand up, sir? Yes. See, see, I made a judgment call here. I will say that from the safety of the stage. But the normal response, if someone walks up and slaps you across your face, it's, it is not normal to like, oh, just make this one look the same. Could you please? Or if someone came up to you and they wanted you to do their job for them for free, like, carry my backpack a mile. Most people are going to be like, well, do you need an extra mile? I mean, I got some time. Like you, you wouldn't like <laughs> go mow someone's lawn. And then the, the next door neighbor, like you're a lawn service and you like mow this guy's lawn. And the next door neighbor's like, well, since you're mowing lawns, would you mind coming over here? Like, well, yeah, if you pay, no, no, no. Just, I see you're mowing lawns. So could you mow my lawns? No, that's not normal. That's not normal, right? Whenever we return, hate for hate, hurt for hurt. We're not living by this ultimate maxim that Jesus said that we have to learn to love people when they're unlovable, to forgive them even when they don't deserve it. And we're gonna find that deserving doesn't have anything to do with it. And he, he throws a caveat in there. If you could um, put up verse 35 again, and I want us to look at the bottom of it. He said, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. God is, un, is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So if we wanted God to just be good to those that are good, do you know if we were separating everyone in here out to good and bad, do you know which column that you would be in? Does anybody know? The Bible says that it's a secret, okay? We're all in the bad category. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, if God was only good and kind and merciful to the good, kind and merciful people, he would not be good, kind and merciful to any of us because we've all deserved judgment because of our sin. So he says, I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you redemption and restoration. And now what I want you to do is take what I've done for you. I want you to do that for other people. There's the golden rule right there. If you want to live free, you have to be above average. You have to give above average love. You have to give above average grace. You have to find a way to do the tough things of turning the other cheek. Now, if it were easy, we would all do it. And so I wanted to deconstruct and ask the question, why is it that we don't? Why is it when someone slaps us, we slap back? When someone says something rude to us, we say something rude back to them. Someone honks at us on the road, what do we do? You know, that's, that's kind of what we do. It's like we want to return 
the favor of someone who hurts us. So where does that come from? James chapter four gives us a clue. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is not this that your passions are at war within you? The enemy of me is me. That, let me ask you a question. Did you get, did anyone in here have a fight or quarrel with anyone this week? By show of hands. Anybody in here? Anybody here? Hmm. 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 Yes, thank you. Thank you. Confession is good for the soul, isn't it? Whenever you fight as a couple, I want you to think about this for a moment. He said, where does that come from? Have you ever thought about where that comes from? Like you get in a fight, like where, where does that come from? He said, there's passions that are warring inside of you. There's desires that are warring inside of you. And the thing about it is, is that oftentimes whenever we have these things that are warring inside of us, we tend to take our frustrations out on someone else. Have you ever done that? You ever taken your frustrations out on someone else? Like you wake up in a bad mood? Has anybody ever woken up in a bad mood? Nothing has ever happened yet. You just are like waking up like, ah, and like you get in the car and you take it out on people on the road. Maybe you take it out on your family. Maybe you take it out on your children. I know my children take it out on me, my moody children. And they're like, yo, dad, okay, dad. You know, does anybody else have kids like that? Like, uh, go do the laundry, uh, take the trash out. And so whatever. Okay. And, and sometimes we take these frustrations out on other people, but are they the cause of the frustration or is, or is there something that is brewing inside of me? We love to play the blame game. Original sin. God comes to Adam and it's like, why'd you do this? He's like, <laughs> it was the woman. It was the woman, God, which I think is plausible. All right. I'm just saying it's not a sexist statement, is it? I mean, like he did take the apple from her. And then he was like, Eve, why did you sin? He goes, she goes, it was the serpent. And, and, and God was like, oh, okay. So everyone in original sin was playing the blame game. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I mean, I'm having a bad day. Okay. Passions inside of you. We had a, a church member, a friend of mine, uh, he, he was recovering from uh, an accident and he parked over here in the stone place. Have y'all seen the stone place next door? Well, apparently they, they put up some displays and um, as he was backing out, um, he, he did not see the display and he backed his, you don't need to look at people, okay? They're not in this audience. Maybe they are. And so, so he, he was backing up and his car even has like those really cool sensors. Did you guys know that now? Like, like, like beeps, like beep, 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 beep. Like the closer you get to something and a really new feature, your seat vibrates. It's like, like your butt tells you to stop. It's like, that's amazing, right? Don't you wish you had one of those for marriage? Like every time you got ready to say something you shouldn't say in marriage, your butt would just vibrate. Like, don't say that. Okay. Don't say that. And so, so he was backing up and the beep, beep, burn, and he still hits it. Oh, brand new car. Oh, and he said instantly in his mind, he thought my wife did not park this car very good. 
stone place. They could have made those signs a little bit more visible. He said he instantly wanted to blame. He was trying to find some way to blame someone for this problem that he was now facing. Can I get a witness? Anyone in here when something, when you do something dumb, I have a habit. It's just for fun. Every time I make a bad cast on the boat, I yell Hollis's name. I'm like, Hollis. And I, we love to blame. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Here the Apostle Paul is going to tell us. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual. God's word, spiritual. But I, I'm in the flesh, sold, sold under sin, slave to sin is what he's saying. For I do not understand my own actions. Anybody, anybody. For I do not do the things I want to do, but I do the very thing, the very thing I hate. Not only is the enemy of me, me, it's often me <laughs> against myself, the apostle Paul says. Listen to what he said. I do not understand my own actions. Have you ever done something and then you ask yourself why you did that? Anybody in here? Like, I'm gonna make it really easy and then we'll get into some more complex. When it comes to like what we eat, do we all agree we should eat healthy? Does everybody, does everybody agree to this? Right, we should, we should. But like, whenever I think of Cane's and Chick-fil-A, like I don't know if you have this struggle, but they beckon me like a siren in the night, okay? They call out. And, and whenever they call out to me, oftentimes I like just kind of go into autopilot. Have you ever found yourself like at the ordering window, picking up the food and you didn't even know like what happened. Is anybody else like, and now it's in your hands and now you like go home and, and you have to be alone in your gluttony and, and you, you like, you pick it up and, and as you're eating it, you're, you're like, you're saying, I hate myself. Anybody like, does anybody else know what I'm talking about? He said, he said, the thing I want to do, I don't do. I don't, I don't go to Sprouts. Okay. I don't do that. He says, but I do the very thing I hate. I was, they brought this fair food in. Has anybody seen this fair food here? Carrie was out of town at women's retreat and we drive past it and they have like seven foot long corn dogs. I was like, I gotta have one of those. Titus and Silas and I stopped in and I, I was literally saying, don't do it, but I love it. But I, love, I want it. I ate the whole corn dog. I did. It's not what I want to do. I don't want to do it. I say to myself, don't do it. You're going to regret this. But yet I do it. We take it up. Spending. All my spenders in the crowd, raise your hand. Okay, let's do it another way. If you're married to a spender, raise your hand. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense. And so, so like you, you, have you ever found yourself like you're at, you're out somewhere and like you see something? And Amazon's like crazy like this now. You can just punch a button and it arrives at your house, right? You're just like, you're just talking to somebody and then all of a sudden the ads start coming up on your phone now. Like they're listening all the time. I guarantee you they are. And like you, you weren't even looking for it, but then you see it. And next thing you know, it arrives at your house. You're like, I'd look pretty good at it. And you didn't want it. You, you, matter of fact, you said to yourself, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't buy it. You don't need that. You don't need another pair of shoes. You don't need another pair. You don't need a whatever, blah, 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 blah. Ah, but I want it. And I want it. How about in relationships? 
No one in here fights about 10 things. You fight about the same things over. I bet there's not more than three categories that you fight about. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. I'm right. I'm right. You got a person that's late. You got a person that's loud. You got a person that's too quiet. You got a person that wants to be on time. You got a person who thinks that you're just a terrible person if you're not 10 minutes early. I mean, constant war going on. I got to remind you. I got to remind you. I got to remind you of everything. Have you ever been in the midst of one of those conversations and a comment gets into your cerebellum? Right? And there's a part of you somewhere that says, don't say that. Anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that don't say it. And then you say it. And then immediately you find that the Apostle Paul is accurate. I do not understand my own actions because I know when I say this, it is not going to go well. I mean, babe, did you gain some weight? No. No. Why would you ever say that? Why would you ever say that? Why would you ever say that? You know, if you bring up a certain topic, I feel like, I feel like couples, it's like a game of, of tic-tac-toe. Like this is the way you fight. It's like I put my X and you put your O. I put my X, you put your And you know what happens most of the time? No one wins. It's a constant stalemate. There's no production. There's no advancement. There's no forward momentum. There's no resolution. There's no growing in the communication. There's no growing in the intimacy. Why is that? The Apostle Paul said that there's a part of us that's in the flesh. And if you want to be free today, we're going to get there. But you can't give in to the flesh. And if you're constantly doing the very thing that you hate, you're constructing your own prison. Listen to what he says next. He says in verse 21, so I find there to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Mm. Mm. You wake up, not talking about your spouse, but figuratively speaking, you wake up, Evil's laying on the pillow next to you. You get in the car, evil's riding shotgun. You go to that party, I guarantee you, evil is lurking. You hang out with a certain group of friends, you keep getting the same result. Every time you want to do right, wrong is going to be there. Verse 22 says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but in my members, there is another law waging war. Listen to this. James used the word war. My passions are warring inside of me. Now Paul is using it. And he says, there's a law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive. So this war that's going on in my flesh is being battled inside my mind. And that is then building a prison around me that now I am subjugated to. He says, the law is of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. It's me against my mind. It's me against my mind. Where, you know where the battle is? Oftentimes we believe it's the other person. But Paul is saying, oftentimes the war that you're trying to blame on someone else, it originates in you. And guess what? You have no control over them. The only person that you have control over is you. So how are you going to win? He said, there's a war that has to be won. 
The, the, my flesh is waging war against my spirit and the battle is inside my head and I got to choose the right path. There's a battle that has to be won and there's a prison door that has to be opened. If you can't get out and if you can't stop doing the thing that you hate, are you not a prisoner? Are you not held captive? If he said love is the ultimate ethic and mercy is the thing that should be desired and triumphed over all things, are you walking around in the chains of unforgiveness? Are you walking around in bitterness? Have you allowed hate or a grudge to dominate your life? Have you, learned, have, have you allowed like what people think about you and your self-image? How many likes and hearts that you get? Is that what you're ruled by? If you're a woman, is it what a man thinks about you? If you're a man, it's whether or not you have a woman. Is that what completes you? Is that what perfects you? If we're not careful, we give in to the flesh, we begin to build these prisons in our minds and, and the next thing you know, we've lost all of our happiness. When's the last time you were free? Truly free. The Bible says, the one who the sun sets free is free indeed. The apostle Paul concludes Romans 7. He said, who will deliver me from this wretched state that I am in? Who, how can I get out of the prison? He said, it's only in Jesus that I find freedom. Mercy. Mercy. There's a great example of this, and I want to conclude this message with a story from David and Saul. Oh, come on out. I have a volunteer. Let's give it up, Mr. Brian Campbell. It's one of our elders, longtime elders. He trusts me. If the ultimate ethic is mercy, and we're trying to get out of the prison that we've built for ourselves, I think that 1 Samuel 26 gives us the ultimate picture of how to get set free. David is on the run. He's hiding in caves. Saul is trying to kill him. As a matter of fact, one time it says Saul was... They were in the, 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 the courtyard for the, for the king and David was over there on his electric flute. No, he was, he was on a harp and he's like strumming away, right? Strumming my pain with his finger, you know? And I, I don't know what he was playing, but he was just over there just jamming, you know? He's in his own. And it says that Saul picked up something. Do y'all remember what he picked up? Does anybody remember? Spear, say it confidently. Spear. Spear. Right? So imagine David over here on the harp, like, dun, 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 strumming. and all of a sudden, like a spear sticks in the wall beside your head. I would say that at this juncture, things have taken a turn. Would you guys, would you guys agree? And so David realizes that he needs to run. And so he runs from Saul, and as he's out there running, God gives him two occasions where he has an opportunity to kill Saul. And one of them, Saul's men were, were camped down in this valley and David's men saw them. And he said at nighttime, David asked his men, who will go with me down there into the camp where Saul is? 
And Abishai, one of David's generals, was like, I'll go with you. Man, it's a whole other sermon, but you better have friends that are willing to walk into the enemy's camp with you, right? And I, the church said, amen. Abishai was like, yeah, I'll go with you. And I'm like, man, that was a death sentence. Two guys are going to walk into the king's army. I mean, the well-fed, well-trained, armored soldiers. That's where you're going with two guys? Says they snuck into the enemy's camp. There was Saul. And the same spear that had been thrown at David, it says, was sticking in the ground beside his head. There was his water jug and there was the spear. Man, what an opportunity. I think we all are going to have some opportunities to step up to the plate. Unexpected opportunities. And many of us want to wield the sword and settle the score. Abishai looks at David and says, God has given him to us. Just let me, just one time. He said, just give me once. I won't need twice. That's what Abishai said. I love the Bible. It's like, just, you won't even, I won't need a second. One time. David says, don't do it. Now you think about that. I slapped you, sir. I guarantee you, I'm getting a whooping. Whole can of whooping coming my way. Here is a man that already threw this spear at him and he has the chance to take out his enemy. You might even put God's name on this. God has given him to me. And David said the ultimate ethic though is I could get my revenge. But love is greater. Grace is greater. Instead, I'm going to give mercy. But I love that David has a sense of humor. He's like, Abishai, grab the spear. So they grab the spear and they run outside the camp and then they get far enough away and they go, hey, Saul, is there something missing beside your head? Where's your spear at? And he's like, oh, I got your spear. He's like, Saul, you wanted to kill me, but I loved you. I served you, and now you're out here hunting me like I'm your enemy. He goes, are you listening to what other people said, or are you listening to what I did? I've never betrayed you. I've never been against you. It says that Saul turned and walked away, and he went back home. I wonder who was more free, the king in the castle or the man hiding in the cave? that gave mercy. Why aren't you free? You're the king inside your castle, holding on to the very things that are killing you. Jealousy, envy, bitterness, unforgiveness. You're in that prison. Image, addiction. You're in the prison. You can't break out. You're doing the thing you hate. How do I get free? How do I get to this face? How do I fly? Man, if you would give love instead of hate, if you would give mercy when they don't deserve it, because you didn't deserve it, and I don't deserve it. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you got to give grace. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you take this word and you set people free.
that if they are trapped in a prison that they built in their own mind and they feel trapped and unable to get over it, get past it, get through it, that that is not a truth, that is a lie. That if we would go to the cross and lay it down and pick up the love that you give us, God, even for those that have hurt us the most, we can find love and we can find mercy. If we just do the easy thing and love the people that love us, we're not gonna be light in a dark world. But when we love those that hurt us, when we bless those that curse us, even the most skeptical has to look at that and go, how? How did Jesus die for us? There was nothing in us that was worthy of what he did, and yet he did it anyway for the ungrateful and the wicked. If you found that you don't have anything in the tank to give to people around you, might I suggest that you're in the prison, you're losing the war. If you wanna know why in your relationships it does not change, why you just spin the record and then you repeat the cycle over and over again, it's because you're in the prison. And if you want to get out, the Apostle Paul said, Jesus, Jesus Christ is the only way to win the war. Jesus Christ is the only way to open the gate. I pray that in this moment and in this worship, that's exactly what we would do. Would you guys rise and worship with us?